0: With that in mind, read with me in Luke chapter 23, verse 33. Read with me on the screens. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, or criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think of it, in the Easter season, we refer to many symbols. We we focus on many symbols. There's the towel that Jesus used to wipe the feet of the disciples. There's the cup, the bread, at that first communion supper. There's the whip, the crown of thorns, and of course, the cross, the cross. But it's the nail. It's the nail that especially reminds me of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But pastor, pastor, what about the cross? I want to remind you that the Son of God could have been tied with ropes to the cross of Calvary. I want to remind you that. But the scripture is clear. Jesus was nailed. He was nailed to the cross for me. It's for this reason this morning that we want to present to you a very special illustrated message entitled the nail revelations the nail revelations you see when I consider the nails of the cross I think of the terrible physical suffering Jesus endured for you and I the Roman the Roman Orator Cicero said this, listen to these words. This orator cried out and said, The very word cross must be kept not just from the lips, but from the very eyes and the ears of every Roman. Crucifixion was a nightmare. It was the worst possible sentence that any person could ever imagine in their mind. Did you realize that Roman citizens by law could not be crucified? Did you realize that women, females, could never ever be crucified? Crucifixion was reserved only for the worst of the worst of the worst. Male criminals who were not Roman citizens It was such a horrendous way to die that our English word, excruciation, has its root origin in the word crucifixion. A a crucifixion, one especially involving nails, included your worst nightmares. The nightmare of crucifixion would begin with your arms being pulled out, stretched out. Many shoulders were pulled out of joint. Many were dislocated in this process. Crucifixion included the nail piercing the center of the hand. I disagree with those that claim it was the wrist. The Romans chose the hand because the nail, the spike, would pierce the median nerve, causing paralysis in the hand, burning pain to shoot up the arm. What kind of nails were used on Jesus? Were they simply skinny little finish nails? Penny nails? Box nails used? What was used on Jesus? I'll show you a picture of what I'm holding right now. It'll give you an idea. It just gives you a very accurate, contextual, historical idea of what was used upon your Lord and Savior. At the cross of Calvary, crucifixion was designed not to kill you. Crucifixion was designed to keep you conscious, to keep you alive as long as possible, to give you, to to induce in you the most horrible pain known to man without you losing consciousness. That's why Pilate, if you'll read your Bible, was surprised when Jesus died and how soon he had died because Jesus said, no one can take my life. I give it freely. When the sacrifice was finished, Jesus said it, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Why did Jesus do it? Why for you? Why for me? The answer is simply summed up in one word love. Love. He so loves you that he was willing to be the ultimate sacrifice for you, for me. Those nails that pierce the hands and the, and the feet of Jesus also revealed rejection think of the rejection that jesus experienced before and at the cross think of the betrayal the desertion of of the disciples the abandonment think of the denial by by peter where peter cried out i don't know the man Think of Jesus' own countrymen shouting out over and over in a chant, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Think of those who mocked Him while He was being tortured. They spat upon Him. They pulled His beard out. Think of the whipping. Think of of the nails it all added up to an utter rejection 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 that pounded upon our Lord's soul far worse than any hammer but rejection rejection not only drove those nails then would you agree with me Christians lakeside family would you agree with me this morning rejection still drives nails today into Jesus maybe you're hearing about this morning the betrayal the denial the abandonment the mocking that Jesus received at the cross and maybe you're saying to yourself That wouldn't be me. I wouldn't have done that. But the thing is, Christians do it all the time. It still happens today.
1: Oh, Jesus, I just love spending time with you in prayer and in your word. I love your daily blessings and how you've forgiven me of all my sins. Jesus, I love you. Oh. Hello? Hi, Nancy, what's up? Yeah, are you studying for the big test tomorrow? No way. No way! No way! You're having a party the night before the exam? What do your parents think? No way! Your parents are out of town? You're so lucky! Is Ricky Adams going to be there? He's so cute. I just dream about running my fingers through that thick hair. Oh, I want to come! Wait, you got into your dad's what? I didn't know you drank that stuff. No, I do like to party. I just, I didn't know it was going to be that kind of party, but if Ricky's going to be there, I'm definitely in. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. I'll see you there. All right, bye. Oh, I'm so excited. Ricky, 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 he's so cute. I can't wait to go. Wait, I don't know, I mean do I stay here with Jesus? Do I go to the party? I won't have any fun if you come, and I just don't want you there, okay? You won't be comfortable. (sighs) I'm so excited, okay? Jesus, what are you doing? I told you to stay inside. I don't want you with me. No, go. (sighs) Fine, if you won't listen, then I know what will keep you here.
0: Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 4 in the Message Bible. Read it with me. Once people have seen the light, have gotten a taste of heaven, and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's Word, if then they turn their backs on it, They've re crucified Jesus Jesus listen I want to remind you you can fool others you can fool your family you can fool your parents you can fool your spouse you can fool your best friend you can fool your pastors I get fooled all the time but you can't fool God No one can fool God. And the sad part of it is this, too. You really can't fool yourself. You know, you know, when when you're being double-minded, when you're being spiritually schizoid, You know when when you have one foot in the in the world and one foot in the church and you're trying to play the game, you know it deep down. Listen, I'm convinced that the most miserable people on the planet are Christians trying to play a double life because inwardly they know they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. There's nothing sadder than being double-minded. The Bible says that a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. What is the Bible saying? The Bible says that if you're trying to, to, to be two things at once, if you're trying to live two lives at once, you're insane! It's insanity! Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, no one. And in the process, once you have tasted of Jesus, if you're focused on living a double life, being a hypocrite, what have you done? You've pounded the nails of rejection into Jesus, once again. Is it a time? Is it a time you sell out to Jesus? I mean, totally, one hundred percent. Isn't it time? Hear me. Isn't it time you let Jesus be number one in your life, and not just number one—the center of everything in your life? Because some people live with Jesus as number one on Sunday, but man, Monday through Saturday, they're serving old slew foot. Is it a time to make Him more than your Savior? Isn't it time for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life? You've been driving the car of your life and you've been messing up bad. Isn't it time you let Jesus do the driving? You'll never be happier than when you let Jesus do the driving. You'll never be more free. You'll never feel better about yourself, better about your future. For he who the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. But hear me, the nails of the cross They also reveal that Jesus' worst suffering was not physical. It was not the emotional rejection of the cross. His worst suffering, I submit it to you, his worst suffering was spiritual. Spiritual. Did you know that there were nails on the cross of Calvary? not put there by man? Do you know that there were nails on the cross of Jesus? Pounded, hammered there by God Himself? What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm not making this up. This is not fictionalized. This is not the stuff of of, uh, 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 fantasy or, or imagination the Bible makes it clear that God pounded nails into the cross of Calvary don't believe me? let's check out the word of God Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 God forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you the list of his commandments which you had not obeyed, he took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross in this way God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin think of that I want you to think want you to think I want you to remember that God took every sin Every sin ever committed in the past. Every sin ever committed in the present. Every sin that would ever be committed in the future. God took the world's sins. God took the sin of every prostitute, every pornographer. God took the sin of every perverted, vile, evil sinner and nailed them. To the cross of Jesus. That means, on the cross of Jesus, your sins were there. My sins were there. We are comfortable with the fact that Jesus bore our sins. But did you know that Jesus, by God, was made guilty of every one of those sins, just as though he had committed them?
2: He was crushed for our sins The punishment that brought us peace Was upon Him By His wounds By His wounds We were healed He was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our sins The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. Oh
0: wash away my sins. Your sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Did you see your name appear? How many saw their name appear? I've got my hand up. It reminds us our names nailed to the cross, names appearing on the screen. It reminds us that our sins, your sins and my sins, were nailed to Jesus's cross. Imagine what it cost Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Imagine what it cost the pure holy, sinless Son of God to be able to hang on that tree and then God poured out the sins of the world past, present, and future upon Him and He who knew no sin the Bible says became capital S-I-N sin personified for us When Jesus said, let this cup pass from me in the Garden of Gethsemane. And finally, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus wasn't afraid of the physical torture. Jesus wasn't recoiling from the rejection. Jesus, I'm convinced of this, was shrinking back from becoming capital S. I. remind you, Jesus didn't just pay the price for your sins and my sins. Jesus didn't just bear your sins. Jesus became guilty for your sins. Think of your public sins. Think of your most private sins. Jesus became guilty for that. And then God judged it. How did God judge? the sins of the world that became centered on that tree. The Bible says that God brought a midnight blackness, darkness to planet Earth. And in the midst of the darkness that pervaded the world from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock that darkness was pierced By a cry, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabakthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What happened at that point? For the first and the only time, the Holy Trinity was ripped asunder. And Jesus, who had known constant eternal fellowship with the Trinity, now is abandoned. How abandoned? What was the price that Jesus paid for your sins and my sins? Jesus experienced hell. Hell. Hell on the cross. I want you to to be reminded, hell is not just flames or a bottomless pit. The, The pure definition of hell is total, abject, blatant separation from God, being totally abandoned by God. Jesus experienced hell for you and I. He was forsaken that you might be accepted He died so that you might live He experienced hell so that we might experience heaven What do you do with love like that? What do you do? The next cry that came from the lips of Jesus was not a cry of abandonment. It was not definitely a cry of defeat. The next shout that came from the cross was this, It is finished! God had poured out His wrath. Sin has been punished. Jesus received that punishment. The price for your sins and my sins Paid in full. And so Jesus is able to cry out, It's done. <laughs> it is finished. Paid in full. I want to ask you a question. Let me bring a little levity into this serious message this morning how many of you know people out there how many of you know people out there that try to fix everything with duct tape? perhaps this morning we even have some duct tape people in the audience how how many duct tape people we have out there and you're proud of it, oh yeah they're here they're here sure duct tape Duct-tape solutions. It might fix something in your house, but spiritual duct-tape solutions won't save your soul. And yet people try to do that all the time. Listen, volunteering for your community soup kitchen It's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But it won't save your soul. Making an appointment with a shrink might heal your emotional problems, but it won't save your soul. Are you with me on this? Duct tape. Duct-tape solutions. I was just in Italy at the the Vatican, and I saw all kinds of people kissing the big toe of St. Peter's statue. That might give you a taste of marble, but it won't save your soul. And I'll tell you, this is the first day in three days that we see sunshine, and I can just guarantee you, there were some people this morning sitting cross-legged uh, at their bedroom window watching the sunrise in a yoga position, humming. And, and that might stretch your muscles out, it might exp- you know, loosen up your joints, but it won't save your soul. It's a duct tape solution. It's a man-made remedy. Only one thing, only one thing could save our soul. Only one could be the eternal sacrifice. Only one. Because we sing the song, What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when it came to saving your soul and my soul, God, God didn't use duct tape, God used a nail. (laughs) used a nail and it fixed the problem and I can declare to you we can rejoice as a congregation it is finished it's a done deal hallelujah it's good news good news good news it's the gospel of Jesus Christ God used a nail when nothing else would work lastly this morning When I look, when I look at this nail, it reveals far more than suffering. It reveals far more than rejection or our sins. That's the negative side. I want you to know there's a positive side to this nail. I I want you to know this morning, there's something good about this nail. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you a free gift. Everybody that wants a free gift this morning, you get a free gift. I'm going to give you a spike. I'm going to give you a nail. Because I want you to remember this last point, especially, that you can get excited about the nail. Because it represents, it's a revelation of hope. Hope. Pastor, what are you talking about? Do you realize that we would have never, ever have known that Jesus was nailed to the cross? Because they could have used ropes, as I said. They could have tied Him to that tree. We would have never have known that Jesus had been nailed to the cross if it wasn't for that first Easter night. What happened at the church service? on the first Easter night. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And Jesus said what? Peace be with you. And after He said this, He showed them what? his hands why because there were nail prints in his hands and he showed them his side the disciples were overjoyed with what when they saw the Lord but I ask you who is missing who is missing at that first Sunday night Easter service who wasn't there Thomas. Tom, why? Why was Thomas there, not there? I believe if you would have run into Thomas, to use a little of imagination, uh, can you imagine what it must have been like to run into Thomas? Thomas, Thomas, are, are you going to be at the church service? The disciples are going to be there tonight. Aren't you going to be there? Perhaps Jesus will be there, Thomas. Are you going to show up? Are you going to be faithful? Thomas would have shook his head sadly. No. No. Why should I be there? Don't you realize I I saw him nailed. I saw them pierce his side and blood and water flowed out. They made sure he was dead. It's all over. It's useless! I tell you, it's pointless. It's hopeless. Jesus is dead. Even when the disciples told Thomas that Jesus had shown up, did he believe them? Remember what, remember what Thomas said? Thomas said in John 20, Unless I see what? The nail marks. The nail prints in his hands. Unless I put my finger in his... Where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. But I can say this for Thomas. Even though... Even though hope had died, even though his faith had been cruelly crushed within him. I will say this for Thomas. The Bible says that next Sunday night, the next Sunday night service Thomas was there. He showed up! And who else showed up? Jesus! And how did Jesus respond to Thomas? Did Jesus preach at him? Did Jesus condemn Thomas? Did he reject Thomas? How did Jesus react and respond? Jesus basically said to Thomas, get a hold of this. Jesus basically said to Thomas when he Jesus appeared, Jesus said, touch me. Can you say that with me? Touch me. John chapter 20 says, Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, What? My Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Think of it. Thomas went from doubting Thomas to the first first disciple to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and God. Think of that. Yesterday, yesterday, the front door of my house, the doorbell rang. I went to the, and opened up the front door, and there was a smartly dressed man in a suit and a tie with literature in his hand inviting me to his Easter church service. And I was bemused that he was inviting me to an Easter church service. I was bemused by the fact of what the name of the religion and the church was. Jehovah Witness. Many of you don't understand why I was bemused. I've taught on the cults. I've taught on the false religions. He didn't know whose doorbell he was ringing. And I looked him in the eye and and I said, Oh, I so appreciate you inviting me. I want to ask you a question. What do you celebrate on Easter? Do you celebrate the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because they just believe that Jesus was a ghost when He resurrected. His eyes got real big. I said, do you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? That Jesus is the Son of God? And his eyes got bigger and bigger. He said, well, at that point we differ. How do you explain that I asked when Jesus said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Here is your piece of literature. God bless you. Go with God. Thomas reached out and touched Jesus. My Lord. My God. Do you know, do you know, this is the only place in the entire Bible where Jesus invites someone to touch him. Bring it home this morning. I'm speaking to someone. You're not a doubting Thomas, but somehow, some way, something, somehow, somewhere has cruelly crushed your hopes. It's robbed you of your joy of Jesus. Someone or something. Uh, has robbed you of the passion that you once walked with for Jesus. You used to you used to devour His Word. You used to uh, you used to have a passion for God's love letter, the Bible. You used to have passion for for that love talk, that love language called prayer. But lately, something died within you. You're still coming to church. You're still going through the motions. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're a hypocrite. What I am saying is that someone or something has hurt you. And you've lost that vibrant faith that you used to walk with and and talk with. And the Lord knows. The Lord knew about Thomas and the Lord reads you like a He knows more about you than you know about yourself. And He doesn't come this morning with condemnation. He doesn't come to preach at you. He comes to you and says, Touch me. Touch me. Touch me. When Thomas touched Jesus, He then realized that the worst that sin and Satan and the world and life can throw at you has been conquered by Jesus. When he touched Jesus, he realized that death and the grave has been conquered. Sin has been conquered. The devil has been conquered. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus lives, we're all going to live. Hallelujah forever and evermore. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know who holds the future. Because He lives, you and I can really live. And we know that we know that we know that the best is yet to come. Am I speaking to someone today that you need to hear your Jesus say, touch me, and you need to touch him? I'm not saying you're unsaved. I'm not saying you're unbelieving. You've been hurt. Your hope has been cruelly crushed. Hear ye the healing word of the Lord me I am your living Savior your living Lord I am the lover of your soul this nail the nail that you're going to receive this morning the last revelation is a revelation of hope the last revelation, the nail reminds us of a living Lord who says, touch me, touch me. True story, decades ago in a farming community in a small Midwestern town, a fire a terrible raging fire enveloped a two-story farmhouse the whole main floor the whole main floor was engulfed in those terrible flames the neighbors came running out. The fire department hadn't even arrived yet. The neighbors came running out. They're screaming. Nobody could could run in there to see if anyone could be rescued. The whole main floor was full of flames. Suddenly, the top window, the bedroom window upstairs was, was shoved open. And a little boy came screaming out, Help me! Help me! Somebody! Help me! They froze. Nobody knew what to do. Women were screaming, somebody save him. Suddenly, a tall stranger appeared and ran out of the crowd because he had an idea. The downspout that traveled from ground level all the way up to the upper story. And even though that down spot was raging, boiling hot, he grabbed it with his hands. As soon as he grabbed it, they sizzled like steaks on a grill. And hand over hand, he crawled up to that second story and reached over and put the boy on his back and then crawled back down. And you could hear his hands sizzling on the downspout as they were viciously brutalized with burns the very ridge lines of the downspouts were imprinted upon his hands the boy was saved the newspapers reported later boy saved from burning house his whole family perished mother father Siblings gone. And one of the main captions in the story was, Rescuer has disappeared. Not to be found. Months later, I take you to a courtroom. Judge is sitting there to dispense his judgment on what home the boy should be adopted into. The boy's story had been told around the whole state. The sympathy, the outpouring of love was unreal. Everybody, it seemed like, wanted to take care of the boy. Three prominent families of the community were in the courtroom that day. A teacher, a doctor, a wealthy banker. They all were good homes, good people that that wanted to adopt the boy. As the judge was ready to dispense his judgment, suddenly the doors of the courtroom burst open and in walked a man with his hands out like this. and everybody turned and looked those hands were brutally burned they were seared with the lines the ridge lines of a downspout the little boy who was sitting up front he screamed out i know i know who that is it's my rescuer my savior he saved me I want him to be my daddy. And long story short, the judge ruled that the boy went home with his Savior. You know where I'm going. The Bible never, ever gives us a portrait of what Jesus looks like. The Bible never ever gives us a snapshot, a picture of what Jesus looks like. None of us know what, knows what Jesus looks like. So when we arrive in heaven, and Jesus will make heaven, how shall we know Him? We'll know Him by the nail prints in His hands.
3: we shall know him we shall know him and redeemed by his side we shall stand we shall know I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know By the prince of the nails in his hands.
0: Precious Jesus, bow your heads with me this morning. There's coming an hour, there's coming a moment in eternity. Will you be there to know Him by the nail prints in His hands? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed across this great congregation this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, house lights are coming up. I'm not inviting you right now, I'm not asking you right now to become a member. this church but I am asking you this do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God that you have a home in heaven and if you're not sure do you want to be sure this morning right now I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation And I want to invite you to be included in this prayer of salvation. If you will be included in this prayer of salvation, I declare to you that your life will be changed in the here and now. Your life will be changed in the hereafter. You'll be right with God. You'll have a home in heaven. How many heads are bowed and eyes are closed? Please, everyone. No looking around right now. This is between souls and God. If you want to become right with God and be included in this prayer, demonstrate your faith right now. Just lift up your hand so that I can see it. More importantly, that God can see it. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand. Four hands. Five hands. Six hands. Seven hands. Eight hands. Nine hands. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, 10 hands. God bless you. I see that. Praise the Lord. How many more? Lift it up high for Jesus. Lift it up high for Jesus. Hallelujah. 11 hands. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Dad. How many more? I'm looking up on the balcony right now. Lift it up high. You're really not lifting it up for me. You're lifting it up for Jesus. He sees it. Amen. 11, 12. God bless you, dear couple. Lifting up their hand for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thirteen hands. God bless you. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. Fourteen. God bless you. God bless you, Mom. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is moving here this morning. Keep those hands lifted up right now. And everybody pray what I'm about to pray. Pray it out loud with me. Pray it in unison. Especially you that have lifted up your hands. Would you make this prayer your prayer? Put your heart, your faith into what you're about to pray. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. Just as I am. I make no defense. I make no excuses. I confess. I have sinned, I am a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior, save me Jesus, wash me, cleanse me with your precious blood. I believe you paid the price for my sins. You died for me, and I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. For making me brand new. I thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved. And I'll know you on that day by the nail prints in your hands. Amen. Everyone stand with me right now. And I shall know Him. I shall know Him. We shall know Him by the nail prints in His hands. This morning, if you prayed that prayer with me, if you lifted up your hand with me after this service, please, 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 whether this is your first time, or your umpteenth time committing your life to Christ would you come down here to the front the pastors the elders our deacons would love to meet and greet with you and pray over you we have materials for you that'll tell you the next step in following Jesus but right now i want to speak i want to speak to every christian in this room This has nothing to do with your salvation. This has everything to do with what's been happening in your life lately. Like Thomas, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But like Thomas, stuff has happened. Stuff has gotten you beaten up on the inside out. And this morning, this morning, Jesus is here. He stretches out the nail prints in His hands to you and I, and He says, Touch me. Touch me. I have... I have a new joy for, for your heart. Uh, I have new healing for your hurt. Uh, I am here as your living Savior. I will restore that which the cankerworm worm hath devoured. Just touch me. Touch me. I'm not going to call anyone down to this altar, but I do ask you right now, how many, how many w- with an upraised hand would say, Pastor, that's me. I need to touch Jesus this morning, lift it up high, lift it up high, keep it up, keep it up. We're going to close this service in a prayer service. You have hands being lifted up all around you. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you believe in the power of prayer, as Cindy and the team sing right now quietly. I want you to just move out and lay a hand upon their shoulder. And we're just going to pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. Would you do that? Come on, let's be the church. Let's be the family of God. We're not spectators. We're participants. Keep those hands lifted up. Keep those hands lifted up.
1: Don't let anybody be standing
0: alone here this morning. Amen. Nobody stands alone. Look around you look around you look at those that have their hands lifted up go go to them go to them lay a hand upon them hallelujah hallelujah